Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Cinephiles Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we have the great Kevin Porter on. From Bat in the Sun fame. You've seen him in a lot of Batman episodes, as well as the Valiant Bat in the Sun collaboration. He's also in General Hospital. He's a an acting coach, a director, a writer, cinematographer. Involved in all those things. Can't wait to talk to him, Kevin Porter. How's everybody doing on lockdown? Give us a call, 515-602-9609. We just hit our seventh, towards our end of our seventh season right now. We're hitting our eighth season right now. We've been live for almost eight years now. You can find us on iTunes podcasts on their Cinephiles. You can also find us on Cinephiles Radio on Instagram and on Facebook. But give us a call. Do you have any questions for for Kevin Porter? 515-602-9609. Let's let's bring let's bring Kevin on here. Kevin, is that you? Kevin Porter is on the line. <laughs> Everybody should have a clap track when walking into a room, I'm telling you. You know, that immediately made me stand up straighter. <laughs> How you doing, my friend? I'm good, thank you. Uh, gosh, it's been a long time. I, we, haven't, uh, we haven't seen nor spoken in too long. We haven't. We, we need, we need to, yeah, we need to, uh, to change that starting right now. <laughs> Well, before we get started, uh, how are you doing during this lockdown? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm just, uh, I want to talk with uh, Jason yesterday, Jason. And, yeah. um, and I'm just, just doing my job, just doing my right. job, keeping my head down, uh, doing the right thing. Um, not, uh, I'm not enjoying it. I'm not making right. more out of it than it is. Um, just, just doing what I'm told. Right. And, uh, and it's not it's not the worst thing in the world to happen. It's not fun. Right. But I think that if we all stay in that middle lane and we don't trivialize it, right. we also don't make it more than it is, I think that we'll get through this fine. Now you gonna are you gonna walk out of your house with the the corona fifteen or are you gaining weight while you're in your house or are you, are you staying in shape? Well what's funny is um when going into this, I was in bulk mode. And so I literally, it's crazy. I went, I was in Louisiana wow. for the holidays. I came back from Louisiana right. and, um, my goal, and I was training for a project that was coming up. My goal was to put on as much size as possible. 
and right. I ended up put, getting up to 275 pounds, the largest I've been wow. in a very long time, and I, I loved it. I loved it. It was, I would say it was probably 75% quality, 25% right. fun. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then um, I had a kidney issue that I had to go into the uh, hospital for and have some wow. corrective surgery on the kidney. And okay. due to that, and then also in, in pure lockdown, I'm, I've dropped 30 pounds. I'm down to wow. probably 240, 242. It's crazy. Uh, I was watching a little, I was yeah. listening a little bit to that interview yesterday. Was that the stint you were talking about? Yes. Yes. It was terrible. Yeah. Wow. It was terrible. They, um, the, the surgery itself was, was rough. I was in the hospital for a few days. Then getting I'm out, sorry. um, they, uh, well, it, it was, it, it was much needed. It was really needed. Right. Um, and because I've been, I've been in discomfort for the last couple of years as a result, but then they left a stint in me to keep the structural integrity of the, of, of a part of my, my body inside, right. not really preparing me how much pain that I would be in. And that was right. the hardest part. It was literally two weeks of just, just constant pain. But the second they took it out, it you know that's the greatest thing about feeling pain because it feels so good when it's over and then you're yes. like wow yes it's like a new lease on life so now I mean I'm no pain and I'm just raring to go and I'm lighter and faster and but I got I, I got nowhere to go so I'm just like uh, roadrunner <laughs> running around in circles and I, and I, I have well thank God you got that stint put in and thank God you're doing well because you know that that sounds horrible that really sounds horrible. It was, it was bad. It was bad. And everyone said, wow, you know, th- it works out perfectly because you're not really for the first three weeks I was medicated. I was in bed for 22 hours out of the day. Right. So I didn't really appreciate what was going on outside. I would look right. at the news and, and I was just, I, I was, I was medicated, so to speak. Right. right. And uh, so I didn't really start to come out of the fog until like a week and a half ago. And I'm like, Yikes. okay, all right. Because I just couldn't wait to get out of bed, and now, right. now that I can get out of bed, all I do is climb back in bed. I'm like, all right, well, time to take a nap. <laughs> nap time. What time right. is it? Two o'clock. <laughs> nap time. It, it's like we're it's like we're taking these sanctioned, authorized naps. Right. I'm always so guilty, guilty about before, but now there's no guilt. So I'm like, I'm taking a nap. <laughs> Everybody's getting their rest. No, nobody has an excuse for being too cranky. Everybody's getting their rest right now. Everything that I've always kind of criticized other people for, I want. I want a gaming <laughs> right. system. I'm like, I want to play video games right now. I right. want to just take naps all day. You know, it, We're turning terrible. into teenagers all over again. Now you you went back to Louisiana. You went back to Louisiana. Now you're a Louisiana native, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I I, I wanted to go there to for just to unwind. I wanted to go there to refocus and to find my right. center. And and the only way to do that is to be around your people, be on the earth that that bore you. Right. And it worked. It, it was wonderful, and it was such a simple simple life. Right. And uh, I was there for about almost two months. It was right. it was amazing, and How almost to a point. Because, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, please. No, um, I because the the seed was planted when I was um, I was there for uh, the spring and the summer uh, with salvage greens, which you're very familiar with. Right. And I'm just like, gosh, maybe there's something here. Maybe maybe this is the universe pulling me back to the south because I am right. 
the I, I guess the further I get in, get along in life, the more southern I really realize I am, and the more I'm embracing it because right. when you step out of the south and you step out of that bubble into the real world, you realize there's the perception of the south and southern people, and it's not always positive. But right. um, as I'm realizing, I'm like, yeah, you know, hell yeah, it's positive. And right. it's it's kind and sweet and it's relaxed and laid back and hospitable and sweet tea and grits and right. and all of that. And right. so after my experience with Salvage Marines, which was the single greatest experience of my life with our dear friend Sean Pichino, right. and, um, and then I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go back for the holidays. And I did. And it took a lot to get me back to L.A. because there was a part of me that said, you know what, I'm right. staying and I'm gonna eat, I'm gonna eat at Waffle House every day. <laughs> oh, I love I love the Waffle House. <laughs> That's a great place. It, it, yes, it is. You know, growing up in Louisiana, you know there were there were not a lot of the, the film industry really didn't hit there very hard. Um, growing up there in Louisiana, I think the only thing I've seen their film was kind of like the movie The Big Easy. What was growing yeah, up in Louisiana? What, exactly. What what was, what was the inspiration out there growing up that kind of made you pull yourself? I believe you moved to Florida and then you came out to LA. What what pulled you towards the film industry while you were out there in Louisiana as a, as a young boy? It was it was the theater bug, and hmm. uh, I went to school in South Carolina, and I was approached by the head of the theater department uh, during registration, and I guess he was just looking for tall people, and he's right. like, "Hey, you're tall. Have you ever thought about <laughs> uh, theater?" And then I'm looking at him, and I'm this 18 year old, and my eyes get big, and I'm like. I'm being discovered. This is my big break. Right, right. And it's this is in a college that had maybe a thousand students. And wow. I did. I, I took a class and um, I auditioned for the plays that came along, and and I was fortunate enough to be a part of these productions. And I really found right. my passion. I was I played football, and that's what was paying for my school. But my mm-hmm. heart was with theater. And then as happens, once you graduate, you, um, you get a job and you start buying, you, you buy a car and then you get, you start getting bills and then you, you forget about your dreams or you shift your dreams over to what you think a grown up should have. Right. And a few, a few years later, I realized that, um, that that's not what was making me happy. And the last time that, that I was truly happy in doing what I, I felt as if I was destined or, or born to do, it was being right. on stage and the options right. were not in, and at this point it was Jacksonville, Florida. And I was like, no, well, I'm not going to make a living there. And it was either New York or L.A., and the weather is a lot better out here. Yes, so, it is. Um, yeah. And New York's a very um, difficult place to be. But so, so you went to college on, on, on a football grant there. Uh, how, how was that like to, like, back out of football and then go to lean in towards acting? I mean, usually it takes an injury for somebody to kind of lean in another direction. Is that what it took for you? Well, no, I, I, I did both. And that was hmm. that was difficult. And these are things that you can only do when you're 18, 19, 20 years old. It's right. It's getting up at at, at seven in the morning, um, going to class immediately after class, going to uh, practice from like three to six, and then rushing from practice to rehearsal. And you're still bloody, and you're still dirty. You still have tape on your hands. You go in there, and the interesting part is, I always thought that I would catch a lot of crap from my my teammates, my football players. Um, about doing theater. No, they were very supportive. They got a kick out of it. They loved it. It was the theater department that did not like a football player posing on their territory. Now, that's a turnaround. That's a turnaround. It really is. 
yeah. I felt myself being being isolated and and really not being included in the group, and it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. I can and see why. I'm a big jock, and uh, yeah, it um, and there are these wonderful, and I'll call them beautiful, wonderful, lovely theater nerds. Right. And they kind of picked on me. They kind of picked on me a little bit, and they, it's just I felt like an outsider because they thought that I was doing it just as a lark. They thought that I was dabbling in their territory. And right. it took probably two or three productions for them to see that I was committed. And by committed, meaning every single day I'm going from three hours of just busting my tail on the football right. field, going in there injured, dirty, bloody, and rehearsing. And then after rehearsal at like nine, that's when I had to hit the weight room. Right. Uh, to keep on the weights. It right. was rough. It was really, really rough. You, so you, you would have you you thought that all the hard work and investment you put into both fields would have shown them your commitment to acting. It did eventually. It did eventually. Yeah. Um, but I really thought it was interesting. And I, I'm, I'm maybe a little more sensitive than I let on. And right. it really hurt my feelings, Steve. Right. I was like, right. well, dang. <laughs> and these guys that, but, but also keep in mind, I represented what they, what, what, what the establishment that picked on them, that ostracized right. them since right. high school. Right. And so it's, it's very much like a glee mentality and throwing, throwing right. the slushies in the face. Very right. much like that. And, and right. here I am in, in enemy territory saying, well, what do you, what's the jock doing here? That makes sense. You're making sense. But eventually yeah, eventually they they accepted me, and um, and I, I love I love both of my communities, and the yeah. football team they were so supportive. And they would show up at every single um every single performance, and they were just great. That's incredible. Yeah, you, in in the old days, I, I would think that it would be the complete opposite. But the football players came out and and uh, really enjoyed your work. That's incredible. So when did you move yeah. out to L.A.? When when was that discovery think, going for you? <laughs> go uh yeah. break out your calendars uh 19 <laughs> it starts with a 19 yeah uh, 98 1998 yeah. was, right um, when i when i came out wow and my first uh, my first theatrical audition and i was with cavalieri ray cavalieri and associates was for the x-files and i right um, i was auditioning for a motivational speaker and i ended up getting a call back and another call back and another call back and i ended up booking uh, my first theatrical audition ever, and I was in SAG. Like immediately the episode was the, the episode was called Hungry. That was the episode yes, called. It was. It yeah. was. Good, good research. Steve yeah. Pisa. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And uh, it was it was a great experience, and it was. Um, I remember my first day going on set, and I'm green. I'm as green as you can be. Right. Um, and so I go on there and it was on the, it was, uh, over off of Pico at the Fox studios right. and they had a studio audience for me. I'm like, wow, well, that's just great. Um, so you had like maybe 40 or 50 people and they put me up on stage on the sound stage. They've got all of these cameras going through because I'm playing like a, a Tony Robbins type character. Right. And up, um, a studio audience and I'm nervous, I'm nervous. And I go up there. And I flubbed the first couple of takes. And there was no coddling. There was no pulling me aside and say, Kev, brother, man, you've got this. You're great. You're good. You're born to do this. There wasn't right. that. My director's comment was, Kevin, get it right. <laughs> and, I, 
And I'm like, wow. And then suddenly I switched over to the football mentality. And I'm like, right. he's right. I've got a job to do. I'm paid to do it. Do it. I'm prepared. Right. I know my lines. Get it right. Right. And I love that. There was, there was no coddling. There's no pulling me aside and putting, putting his arm around me and patting me and saying, I'm okay. You're okay. Let's hug it out. It was not right. none of that. And it was, it's not like he whispered, get it right. He's on the other side of the room. Oh, he said it out yeah. loud. And, oh, yes. In front of everybody. Wow. And, and then so I'm like, I'm tanking. I'm tanking in front of everyone. This is happening. I'm going back to Jacksonville. Right. I'm done. Because the, then you, you feel the collective, like all 50 people, like starting to feel sorry for you. <laughs> and that's the worst. <laughs> and so he said, Kevin, Kevin, get it right. I will never forget <laughs> that. And I thank, I thank him for that. Right. Because it's sink or swim. And right, as, it is. As I talk about a lot, we're in the NFL of entertainment. And second best is not good enough. Your best is right. not good enough. You have to be right. the best. And at right. that point, I wasn't, and I didn't believe myself to be the best until he slapped me and said, do it. Or right. we're, cut, we're breaking for lunch, and we're bringing in, bringing in our second best. Jeez. And so that, yeah. that was my, my wake-up call and my welcome to the industry. And because of that, I always had in my head, get it right, get it right, right. get it perfect. I remember the conversation with Daisy Ridley, and they asked her the question of the first scene on Star Wars, and J.J. Abrams literally just said, your, your acting is wooden. It is wooden. And that was the first thing he told her about her acting, and that really snapped her into place, into how she should be acting from that point on. It seems incredibly cruel, but you are right. You, you are the first line of offense and defense. Mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. in, when you're acting. I love that. I love an honest director. I love yeah. an honest director that doesn't beat around the bush that says, this is what you need to do because he is, he's your, um, your light that, that you're going toward. He's your lighthouse that keeps you off of the rocks and the rocks is sucking. The rocks is mediocrity. The rocks are boring. The rocks are inaccurate. So you're going right. right towards that lighthouse, and the lighthouse is the director. He doesn't have time to um, to beat around the bush. You're weak. Right. You're sucking. Get it right. 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 And I'm like done. And if you're weak and you let that crumble, crumble you, then tough industry for you. Do Do you think a lot of the discipline that you got from the stage and from football, and, and I think you've already answered this question in, in a, lo- a large way, but do you think your your a lot of that discipline that you got from behind really pushed you in the acting field. A hundred percent. Absolutely. There's so much that goes on. Like I said earlier about what, what we're going through right now, do your job. Right. Don't worry about what's going on over here or over there. Do your job, stay focused and right. do your job. And right. that is, that is, it's a big um, New England Patriots Belichick thing, but sure. I was raised. I've been playing football since I, I was seven years old. Do your job, focus on you and right. everything that that encompasses. And so the discipline that I've learned from, you know, from organized sports and from the theater absolutely comes into play here. There's got to be a selflessness that, that comes to it, and you remove ego, you remove self, and you do, do the task that's, um, that's right in front of you. Well, since you've been playing football since you were nine years old, there's no way you could have been doing that by yourself. What part of your family was was that inspiration to kind of bring you up in that field? 
I think it was my mother that wanted me to be ingrained in in society and in the community as much as possible. Right. And um, I, my my brother wasn't a big. I mean, he did play football, you know, pee wee football. My sister was a cheerleader and what have you. But I was right. the one that I, I took to it, and I was also mm. the one that kept growing and getting larger and larger and larger. And so right. every bit of my success, every single thing that um, that I've done, I I attribute to my mother. I attribute yeah. um, because she gave me she gave me the genetic ability. She gave me skills, the work ethic, right. and then also the right. support. The support to say, Kevin, you can do anything that you you want to do, anything that you choose to do, you can and you will do it. And well, I she, she was she was that. a big inspiration in your life. Oh, the biggest. Without without hmm. a doubt, the biggest, and I don't think I I don't think I talk about her as much as I should, because she no, was, we're talking about uh, her now. Yeah, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that opportunity. Yeah. But yeah. Um, when I told her, and I, I've been blessed to have been successful in everything that I that I, I've tried, and it's not as if um, I'm great at everything. I just know when I'm I've got a uh, an aptitude for, and I go in that direction. Right. And then so when my mother, when I told my mother, I said, Ma, I want to go out to L.A. Uh, to be an actor, which saying those words now just sounds ridiculous. Right. She said, well, if that's what you, if that's what you want to do and that's what you think that you can and should do, then you go out there and you go to Steven Spielberg's store and you knock on his door and you say, I'm Kevin Porter and I'm here to be in your movie. Wow. I said, well, okay, I'll, 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 I'll do something. <laughs> I don't know wow. if I'll do that. Right. But, uh, she was very, very supportive and very proud. She was a, a very proud mother. That's a great mother. He brings you up yes, in football, yeah. supports you during your, your days of doing both football and, and playwriting. And then when you came out to L.A., supported you then, too, as well. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. And I've, I've had a, a non-traditional life so far. Hmm. And she accepted it as it was the norm. Right. Here's my son. There's my son, the movie star here. Have you met my son, the movie star? Here's my son, the movie star. Oh, my son, he was in dodgeball. Have you seen dodgeball? Well, that's it. Here's my son. My son's Batman. And then that's the hard one. Because right. they're like, what? Yeah, Kevin's, Kevin's Batman. Hey, Kevin, do the Batman voice. Kevin, do the Batman. <laughs> we're, we're at a picnic. We're at a barbecue. I don't want to do the Batman voice. <laughs> proud, proud mother. Proud mother. That's amazing. That's amazing. And she still lives in Louisiana? No, she, lived, she lives with the gods now. She's up there with Jesus. Okay. Looking down. Yes. Yeah, and so she. Sorry to hear that. Blessed, I'm blessed to have. Oh no, it's it's just life, Steve. Yeah, it's life, I know. and um, she's with me now, and Good. Uh, as 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 more of a presence as she's ever been. The only right. difference is I just can't pick up. I can't pick up the phone and and talk right. to her. Um, but, I lost uh, my father when I was very young. I, I still feel like my father's with me at all, at all at all times. So I know exactly what you mean. Oh yeah. Yeah, I look in the mirror and I see my mother. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> not 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 like behind me, like in a uh, haunted mansion. Right. <laughs> I hope uh, not. <laughs> That'd be horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I say, mom, mom, why don't you give me a little privacy? All right. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm in the bathroom so, uh, right now. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that it's um, it, I think that was her job and that was your father's job right. and they did their job well. Whether you lost them at nine or whether you lost them at forty-five. Their right. um their their influence is, right. is felt daily. 
Well, thank God for her. She was oh, very wow. strong, and she she built a, a great man. That's that's really incredible. Now you went you went from the X Files. Did you did you immediately go into the Hughleys, or or did you do any commercial work before that? I did. Um, did gosh, man, you've done your research, and I love it. Um, yes. I was uh, again just beating the bushes, and I was blessed to have um, an agent that believed in me, and I was hit. I was just pounding the pavements, and I was in this industry. If you can get two auditions a week because it's a numbers game. You're doing pretty good. Your agent's working hard for you. I was right now probably five or six, five or six times a week. And you probably have to go on 20, 30, 40 auditions to get one gig. That's how much of a numbers game it is. And so the goal is to get on, get out as many times as you can. And I was just hustling. And at the time I was working at Disney, um, Okay. And I had a very specific, I had a very specific body type because I was I was Tarzan down at Disney, which meant I had to be okay. super lean and uh, maintain that because that was my job, and so that helped out because I would do a lot of physical um, auditions for um, for fitness pieces of equipment, right. and so during that period I was I was a spokesperson for. Um, for Bowflex, for the ab, ab dolly, ab focus, all, all kinds, all, all kinds of exercise pieces of equipment. Because I had this right. unfair advantage, because I had to look this certain way every single day. Because I'm right. walking in, climbing up on, climbing up on an elephant, waving to 10, 10 20, 30,000 people, half naked, three quarters naked. That's, a, that's insane. And so, yeah, and so I was doing a lot of commercial work, um, staying away from the donuts. And also at the same time, just uh, getting out and auditioning for, you know, for sitcoms and for, um, uh, for episodics and the Hughleys, which is an interesting one. And my, I think my line, are you, are you DL Hughley? Uh, sign here, please. I think, that, I think right. that was all I had, but I went up four auditions, four auditions for that. The, right. the callback of callback of callback. And I'm like, dang, how do you screw that up? How how is one person better than the other? Oh. And as I go through my career, you realize there are people that are better than, than the other. There are people that that underestimate how how difficult or how wonderful those lines could be, and so they go in there and they do, do it flat. These are the other ones right. that find the beauty in those four words, and they make it come to life. And that's what I talk about a lot as well: is never looking down on a role never looking down on line and make each line personal to you. And so for whatever reason, are you, are you DL Hughley? Uh, yes. Sign here, please. I think I right. may have even thrown in it. I may have even thrown in a thank you very much when I left and right. uh, great experience after great experience and, and working with DL was great. Um, it was just, gosh, what a what a what a blessed blessed life that I had. That was that was a that was a great cast on there. But you were also tapped to be on one of the greatest shows that we had on television, which is General Hospital, where you played Bog. That's that's yeah. that's, that's that's being tapped to be on that show has got to be every actor's dream. Well, I grew up a big Rick Springfield fan. I grew up a big General Hospital fan, and that's something that I would sit there and watch with 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 my mother. Is we would watch General Hospital. And this is how that came about. I was doing um, I was doing shows up at the Glendale Center Theater, and the first thing I did when I came out to Los Angeles is I picked up a backstage west and I started auditioning for theater. Nice. And my my hit ratio on theater is pretty high, just because I because I'm tall and I translate well in person. 
and one of the um, one of the dance choreographers who was doing No No Nanette alongside of I think at the time we were doing um, South Pacific. I was uh, uh, Joseph Cable in South Pacific. Right. Her name was Gwen Hillier, and Gwen Hillier was the casting associate for General Hospital. And she came over and she said, "So do you do acting outside of theater?" And I said, "Yeah." And she goes, "I'd love, I'd love it if you came in. I do the I'm casting for General Hospital." And I'm like, "Oh, right. wow, okay." And then I'm like, "Oh, I'm discovered again." And, I'm <laughs> and, so, and so I go in and I audition for it. She goes, "There's a character that his character's name is Bog. He's right. he's an enforcer, and he works for Helena Cassidine." He said, uh, "She said it's a strong recurring. It's a under five um, at least, and then contract on others, which is huge. And so I ended up, um, I was on general hospital for, I guess, a couple of years. And, um, and my, my, a lot of my lines were, what are you doing here? Put that down. <laughs> right. You know, right. The, the ice princess, the ice princess, where is it? Things like that. Cause I always played the heavy. Um, right. but, uh, that was, that was a blessing up until, uh, the events of nine uh, eleven, and then once that happens, there's a big shift in the storyline, and sure. I ended up uh, going going to prison. My character never to return, I guess. <laughs> right. And, uh, it's just it's just one one of those things like we're in right now. It's just life, and you deal with it. Right. Well, you stay you stayed in, in the soap opera world when you went to Days of Our Lives. Yeah, how, how was that transition into that show? I was uh, I was basically um, a recurring nameless guard cop security guy. Any right. anytime you needed someone with a badge and that's big, I was that guy. And right. uh, and it, it's fun because you go in there and everyone else is used to working together and they've been together for twenty years and you're like, oh, you're the uh, you're the airport security guy. Yes, I am. And you right. do your job, and you, you clock in, you, you 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 commit as much as you can, and then you just clock out. But uh, it was a good experience. It wasn't as as much like family as General Hospital, right? But I right. enjoyed it. You know, I one episode of of Search Enterprises you were on yourself. Uh, I, I love that show. I, I, yeah, I'm a huge Star Trek fan myself, and I actually saw yeah, you in that yeah. episode myself. How, how uh, was that like being on that set, which is, you know, such uh, a huge following? Well, I will tell you, I spent more time off camera walking around taking pictures of me, like on the uh, on the bridge. And in six <laughs> days, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge yeah. fan, and I I crashed that audition. A buddy of mine, I said, really? hey, what's going on? Let's go have lunch. And he's like, oh, I've got an um, audition for General Hospital. I said, let me go. And he's like, sure. And um, I crashed it. And so I go in there, and my buddy didn't get it. I got the call back. Michael Dorn um, was the director. Michael Dorn, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I'm just yeah. I'm just looking at him, trying not to let him see me staring at him, like with goo-goo eyes. Right. And uh, – yeah, and I played um, a rise in male, and it was fine. And they just—they're just looking for very specific types because Rise, uh, Planet Rise, is like the pleasure planet. Yeah, it's the pleasure planet, and so everybody's huge and beautiful, muscular. I played a boy toy, right. gladly, 
gladly. Right. <laughs> and, uh, which was fine. I was less engaged in what was going on, and this is so bad of me to say. I wasn't that interested in, you know, in what was going on on camera. Every right. break I took, I was like walking around and just looking at all the sets. And I just couldn't believe that I'm on a Star Trek um, episode. And all right. of all of my childhood fantasies came true in that experience. And that is that was just um, an example of keeping keeping your ear to the ground and, and listening to the universe and uh, and being fearless as well. And I could have easily gone there and they're like, Kevin, put your names on on there, get off the lot because it was on the Paramount lot. But um, I was blessed to have gone through and, and ended up getting that. And that to me is, is such. Thanks for bringing these up because I haven't thought about these in forever. What a great, sure. great time, time that was. And being a right. part now, my name is in that big old long book of right. Star Trek actors. Well, you know, in my show, there, it's really hard to understand who a person is without looking at their past. And, you know, considering looking at somebody's past, you, we go into Dodgeball, which is a great Ben, ben Stiller film where you played Laser. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what equated into that experience there? I was, again, I was doing a show. Um, I was doing a uh, production in the Granada, Granada Hills Theater. And um, I ended up getting a call from my agent, and they were looking for professional athletes. Right. And it was initially, it was initially a stud role. So I was saying, great, okay, great, whatever. So I go in our audition, and the audition was at this beautiful, broken-down hotel um, on MacArthur Park. Literally MacArthur Park, and it's the same hotel that was used in the O'Sherry video for Steve Perry, which is and because I walked in, I'm like, oh my god, I know this lobby. This is this is from the video O'Sherry from Steve Perry. So I go there, and Alex Daniels is the stunt coordinator, and he's like, okay, you look great because they wanted everyone to be huge and jacked, and right. then, so they put they put me they put me through the drills, and luckily. You know, I, I'm athletic, so they're like, okay, you'll do great. Uh, they met me. Uh, I met with uh, Rawson, the director, um, ran some improv. He said, okay, great, you're perfect. And I ended up getting a call like a couple of days later, and my, the agent's like, they um, they absolutely want you, but why? So now, what is he? he? Goes well, it's a movie about dodgeball. No, it was called it, it was called Underdogs. The name of the movie. Underdogs. Was Underdogs. Yeah. And they said the name of the movie is called Underdogs, and um, you'll be like one of Ben Stiller's like uh, posse or whatever. I didn't even know. Right. So I said, "Is it a, okay? Great." But the problem is there were conflicts, and I couldn't do the play. And and the play is basically community theater. Right. And the only thing that keeps the connective tissue of community theater together is commitment. Right. And you have to live up to your word. You have to. Once you commit to it, you do it. Uh, my director, which I, I've worked for for a few plays, and I told him about this opportunity. And at this point, we had only done the read-through. We haven't even had our first rehearsal. Oh, really? He said, Kevin, is this – yeah, he said, is this a uh, an opportunity that will be good for your career? And I said, well, it's with Ben Stiller, and I guess. And he goes, okay, if it's good for your career, then then I will – I'll replace you, and with with no with 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 the best well wishes. And so his name was um, was George Stratton, and uh, what an amazing director. 
And nice. uh, I ended up being a part of this this project that has gotten bigger and bigger over time. And right. I met the my the best friends that I'll I'll, I'll ever have. I right. just posted a, a shot of myself and, and the other purple cobras uh, on my Instagram. <laughs> and I'm just so proud to be in that picture because yeah. it's just iconic and it's wonderful. And the experience, Steve, the experience yeah. of working on dodgeball was without a doubt the greatest experience of it that I've ever had on set. Well, it's a, it's a cult favorite and there's a, there's a lot of excellent actors on there that, that have, you know, that mm-hmm. are still working today in, in, in really mm-hmm. high production films. Yeah, it's, it's huge. And yeah, as far as the purple Cobras, we, we, I don't really interact as much with, I saw Chris Williams not too long ago. Hmm. I've seen Justin Long um, out and about. Um, yeah, actually, I like Justin Long. Steven Root. Yeah, he's great. They're all just wonderful people. And my first rehearsal, because what we did for the like a month prior to shooting, five days a week, we would go to um, to uh, Sunset Studio, Sunset Gower Studios, right. on a soundstage, and run dodgeball drills. And then we would scrimmage. We Get out of here. That's all we would do. Oh, absolutely. Because they, if we're going to be the badasses, they wanted us to be great at what we did. So I remember running up there, and and I, you know, um, and I, we're doing a drill, and I get in line, and the girl right in front of me turns and says, "Hi, I'm Christine." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, Marsha Brady is right in front of me," right. and I, it was Christine Taylor, and then right. I'm looking over, and there, Ben Stiller's ex-wife, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, current wife at the time, and I'm yeah. looking over, and I see um. Oh my gosh, there's so and so from uh, I knew him from News Radio, which was ended up being Stephen Root. Right. And I'm like, oh, there's that kid from Ed, which was Justin. I did, um, and of course, then I see Vince Stiller, Vince Vaughn, and then behind me is the amazing Missy Pyle, and I had just seen her bringing down the house with Steve Martin, and I'm like, oh, my <laughs> what a great gosh, movie! There's the girl from oh, there's the girl from bringing down the house, yeah. and we immediately the Purple Cobras, Rusty, Jamal. Brandon, myself, then she was in Galaxy Disney. Quest as well. Galaxy Quest is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, the that's amazing. Movie. I, I, I just saw the um, the documentary in the theaters about the making of Galaxy Quest, and it, yeah. it was incredible. You have a good chance. But yeah. we, um, we, the Purple Cobras, we all ate together, we grouped together, we played ping pong together, we worked out together. It it was truly a bonding experience. Wow. And uh, we've had, yeah, we've had a few dinners since then. I think we're due for another dinner. You guys busted a Saving Private Ryan while while working together. You guys really went through the field. Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And um, it it was, we shot, we shot the, the tournament scenes down in Long Beach. And it was at literally the, the, the largest, greatest, most impressive high school gym I've ever seen. And they had a weight room that was right next to it. And all we did was eat and, and just pump our arms, pump our arms, pump our arms. And then right. whenever, we, always knew, we always knew it was time to go over there and start working out because they would say, okay, um, uh, second unit in. And they would bring in the second, second team, that, which was our stand-ins, for lighting. And um, when that, we knew that we had probably maybe 15, 20 minutes. We went over there and started working out. Then we would walk through that, uh, that curtain into this huge – arena with all these people cheering for us as if we're actually going right. to do something and we're doing nothing. We're literally right. doing nothing. We're 
dress, right. we're dressed like we're going to do something. We're on a court like we're going to do something. Everyone's cheering our names like we're doing something, <laughs> but we're we're not doing anything. We're just faking like we're doing stuff. It's so surreal. Right. right. And, and when the movie came out and it did hit a, a large amount of success, did did you mm-hmm. did you feel were you proud of yourself? Did you feel that that pride? Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh, I remember at the premiere, I'm just like. And I've seen myself, I've been so blessed to be seen in that light at, right. because um, I, at, that, at that point, I put on 20 pounds of, of just mass and, and in those suits. And it was just, it was a funny movie. And I was so right. proud of it. I was so proud of it. And it right. did very well. I'm like, it oh, very well, well. that was nice. And yeah. um, they, had, they just pushed it like crazy. And it's interesting because then you know, it ran its course in the theaters, then had a resurgence on DVD, then had a resurgence on cable, and then it started to dwindle off, which is great because that's what you expect. Right. You're like, wow, I got a right. good year and a half of publicity out of this. Right. And then like two or three years later, I started getting phone calls from uh, for appearances and to make right. uh, appearances at, at dodgeball tournaments and things like that. And then it just – it picked up and had a life of its own. I think everybody then, assumed that there was going to be a dodgeball too. I, I think that's, that's what, that was one of the assumptions out there. Yeah. We were, I was approached twice um, regarding my interest in a dodgeball, dodgeball too. Once yeah. was like three or four years after the first one. Then once was probably like five or six years ago. Cause believe it or not, dodgeball was 16 years ago, Steve. 16, well, yeah. 16 someone, years ago. Someone could have been born. Someone could have been yeah. born <laughs> on the premiere, and now they're right. driving a car. And so, um, but if you look and you look at all of us, and I think right. I'm pretty impressed with all of us because we can, we'll throw that spandex back on and get back out there, like, like right. we're 16 years younger. Um, I, I doubt if it's going to happen, but there was a right. talk of it. And what they did is they put some precur- precursory calls out. To, uh, to see if we would be interested. And I'm, of course, I'm like, yeah, of course I'm interested. Well, one of my fondest yeah, memories yeah. was watching Justin Long get hit in the face with a wrench. Yes, yes. <laughs> if, you can, uh, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge <laughs> a dodge. So, That's right. So much, so much of that movie was improv. Um, right. And really? That line, that line was, oh, yeah, but a lot of it, and I'm standing there, I'm witness to it, the Ben Stiller and Ben Swan going at it, and I remember at one time I'm standing there and I got an elbow from Rusty. Rusty played on um, Blade. Right. And I'm like, what? And he's like, dude, he goes, because I'm watching you watch them. He goes, you're watching it like you're watching a movie. He goes, because I see you. He goes, you're laughing. He goes, I see you laughing. And right. It's just, it's tough. It's tough because yeah. you're just with these two, two masters. Right. And they're both riffers, what, so I, I can see how they're oh, just going totally off script. Absolutely. And, and it's not the same thing every, every time. It's different every single time. And Rusty would wow. just get on to me. Very wow. Did it, did, it, did it take time to get, to get used to that, to get used to being off script and you know, stay, keeping your composure in that, in that environment? Yeah, I don't know if I, if I ever did. I think sometimes you can catch me on, on – you know, watching it, I'm just kind of snickering. <laughs> and, but but it plays well. It plays well as the character. But it's 
Rusty called me out. I, it was very, very funny because he's like, dude, he goes, stay in character. I'm watching you like giggle. <laughs> right. Well, before we continue on, you know, you, you have such a, a, a huge, you know, resume of work behind you. When, when did you find the, the confidence to be a acting coach or an acting teacher? I think once I figured out um, what the secret was, and that only came through time, I think that I've gotten better um, as I've gotten more mature. And to me, the secret is, as I mentioned before, complete and utter removal of self and ego, mm-hmm. loving the person that is that is standing right in front of you, giving right. yourself 100%, and then also mastering the Meisner technique, which is living truthfully within that moment. Oh, big and fan of the Meisner technique. Yeah. It's all about, big fan. all about living truthfully and never thinking right. anything. And I remember I was doing a show up at Granada Hills. It was called Busybody, and it was a, it was a farce, an okay. English farce. And so we're in tech week, and I've got a scene to where I'm upstage left at a desk, and I'm drinking tea. And I raised my hand. Oh, is there anything that you guys need as far as props? I said, yeah, can you, um, in the teapot, can you put some type of liquid, preferably dark? It doesn't have hmm. to be coffee. It doesn't have to be tea. It's just something dark. So I can feel the weight. I can feel everything. And um, this old school guy um, who was actually the lead, he's like, what is it? I, could, I can't believe that he did this. He goes, what does it matter? They, they, don't, they don't see you up there anyway. Oh. And I'm like, they can't, they can't see what you're drinking. Right. I said, right. it, ma- it ma- matters because I'm drinking something. And right. Like, yeah, but they can't see what's in your cup. I said, why act right. when you can do? And I, I was very proud because this was, this was 20 years ago, Steve. But sure. looking back, I'm really, really proud that I, I had that wherewithal. Why act right. when you can be? Why act when you can do? Right. Why pretend to drink when you can drink? Right. Because otherwise, it makes it seem as if it's this big joke, it's this big magic trick that we're trying to get over on the audience. Right. No, it's a shared experience that we're inviting them. And that was a little bell went off at that point when I'm like, yeah, why act? Why pretend when you can be and share that moment of being with the audience? And so that was a small little seed that began to grow and grow and grow. And the one thing that I, I impress upon the students is don't act, don't pretend, mm-hmm. don't fake, live and be. I was watching right. an, an interview with uh, Dennis Hopper, and it was about uh, his, his relationship with James Dean on Giant. Right. And Dennis Hopper believed himself to be literally the best actor in the world. Right. And I love that. And, and he's like, there was no one better, better than me. I bowed down to no one. He said, but then when I saw, when I saw James Dean, I was blown away and I didn't understand what was happening. He said, how right. is he doing this? Right. And he said that one, one day he like pulled him into a car. And he says, you're going to tell me what you're doing. He <laughs> said, Cause I don't get it. Right. He said, I don't get it. And he says, and he gave him the secret to life, Steve. And he says, it's really? about life. It's, a, it's about living in that moment. And he goes, like you said, don't pretend to drink, drink. Right. He said, 
because that that will create obstacles that you have you you have in the real life right. of, of of speaking while you've got a mouthful of liquid. He says right. you can't fake that, and it creates this wonderful intangible miracle of a, of a life of a moment. And if you can find that on YouTube, I would highly recommend it. Just type in Dennis Hopper. Uh, oh, it was it was on the Dick Cavett show, which Dick I Cavett love show. Dick Cavett, and I watch. Uh, Oh my god. Oh, I, I love I love his interviews. Yeah, They're wonderful. Oh. Oh yeah. And um and that's what that's what we do in class is we create the miracle of life. Hmm. And anytime that I see anything less than authenticity or the moment, I have to teach people how not to act. Right. I have to teach them to take those walls down and be right. you and it's it's a it's a it's an old cliche trope. Uh you are enough. But you are enough. Right. You're beautiful. And there is nothing worse than watching somebody acting. There is there is nothing so, worse. I mean, when when I see somebody yeah. acting, it's it's a little painful. It just turns me off, and I just want to I just want to leave. Right. I just want to go. Okay. And um, it but it's 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 hard because I have to train people to be who they naturally are, and right. that's forgetting. Forgetting the lights, forgetting the audience, forgetting the director, forgetting the um, the microphone, and how do you do all of that? You commit a hundred percent to the person in front of you in their eyes and in that moment, and you invest in everything that they're saying. And if you can do that, Steve, you can do that in the real world, and that makes you a better right. person. If right. you go to Burger King and you're talking to the person behind the counter, and you give a hundred percent of yourself. You're making their their life a better life. You're creating right. a better moment, and it's something that I can't turn off. I'm a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time, and so I think that makes me more authentic when I'm on camera because I'm exactly the same person that I am when I'm at the DMV or when I'm at the library or when I'm just hanging out having dinner. Now, right. granted, I'm wearing something different and I've got a beard. I don't have a beard. I've got pointy ears, whatever. Right. But I'm still as committed and I'm still as honest. That's great. That's a great lesson for Communications 101. That's a fantastic uh, compliment for a lot of people out there that want to learn how to act or want to learn how to be in this industry. I think that's a, a wonderful thing to pass on to them. So let's move forward a little bit to where you met Aaron Schonk and, and, and Bad in the Sun. So wh- when did that happen? I was producing a, a show. It was a live show called uh, Strawberry Shortcake. And, um, <laughs> and well. it was such a blessing. And I would, I'd, tour, I'd tour around the country. How does Strawberry Shortcake lead to Batman? I'll tell you this. And so I was producing the, uh, the track, the soundtrack. Because okay. basically you had, the, you had these five foot one girls with these big Strawberry Shortcake heads running up on stage. And Are we talking about the awesome. Strawberry Shortcake? We're talking about, this, yes, the legend, Strawberry Shortcake. Okay. And so um, they would wave their arms around to a pre-recorded track. And I, I, I wrote the show. I cast the, um, I cast the voice talent. And okay. then I was, I was producing at a place called Pro Audio West. And it was, I don't know, like in, in the valley somewhere, Encina, um, Reseda. And so I'm sitting here, and we're, we're producing the, the soundtrack. And then I look at this business card that's on a cork board, and it has this bat logo on it, but it's a little different. It says bat in the sun. I'm like, right. what's that? And what's that? 
two <laughs> magical words. What's right. that? Why not? What if? Those right. are three wonderful, wonderful phrases. So right. I said, what's that? Those two words changed my life, Steve. What's that? And he goes, right. oh, it's these kids. They do, they, they do these, fan, these Batman fan films. He goes, and to tell you the truth, they're really not bad. And he goes, um, they came in here, and I, uh, they needed some help with some, some audio stuff or whatever. Um, I'm like, oh, oh, that's interesting. And then he right. showed me a bit of it. And it was, um, it was Aaron, like a 16-year-old Aaron as Batman Beyond. And I'm like, I'm like, dang, that's really not bad. And he's like, yeah. Right. And that was it. It was like two minutes of my life that was created by a what's that. And that's being aware of your surroundings and being inquisitive because I could have looked and moved on, and my life would right. change. You and, I, right. you and I wouldn't be having this conversation, I'll tell you that. We might and have been having so, a conversation uh, about something else. <laughs> possibly, but we met through Bat in the Sun. Right, and so, we did. Um, yeah, and so a few months later, I'm, I'm, I'm working for Warner Brothers in D.C. at their live appearance Batman. And so yeah. I was cast as Batman, and they would send me around the world, and I would go to the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and I would wave as I'm riding in the Batmobile. I would go to the Best Buy grand openings, and I would cut the ribbon, and I would say, "By yeah, by, that's incredible." Yes, what, what a savings! Um, and so I'm down there in 2003 at San Diego Comic Con for Warner Brothers in their booth area, and I look over and I see these two guys, and they've got that logo on their shirts, right. that logo that I said, "What's that?" And I'm like, "Huh." And I look, and I said, Bat in the Sun. I'm like, and I said, Bat in the Sun. I'm familiar with your work. <laughs> and they, they like, what? Batman recognized right. me? And so right. they come over, and they get, a pic- they get a picture with me. Sean, which you, you know Sean, takes yeah. video of it. There's a video of Aaron and I meeting for the first time. And I'm talking to him, and I'm like, um, and I'm saying, yeah, I, I've seen some of your stuff. It's good. You know, it's very good. And he was just confused. I'm the first person to ever recognize Bat in the Sun outside of, outside of him. Well, the fir- the so first he, piece that you worked on with him was was Patient J. Am I right? No, no. It was a, it was a project called Madness. Okay. And they um, he found out who I was. I don't know how he did that. He tracked me down. He called me. I said I'm not interested. I was just coming off Dodgeball. Right. Um, I'd already done Daredevil. I said um, and and General Hospital not interested in fan films. I, and also it would jeopardize my job at, at Warner Brothers. But he was so persistent. He was so persuasive that I ended up meeting with him and he talked me into doing it. I was like, I got to work with this guy because you know Aaron and you know how focused he is and how intense he yeah. is and how professional he is. He's a visionary. He's a genius. Yeah. And so um, I ended up doing this project with him called Madness. And it was Madness. with the Mad Hatter and, and Poison Ivy. Never saw the light of day. Never right. saw the, and so por- portions of that were used for a project called Legends. Legends. Yeah, Legends. Yes. And oh yeah, Batman Legends. Patient. Yes. And then we did Patient, which was kind of like a trailer for something. It was it was like right. a montage. Right. And then we did Patient J. And Patient J was a little more substantial. And impressive and amazing and fun and something that I was very proud of. And right. then that led to city of scars and once city of scars hit, then it was, it was, it was all over. We are off to the races. 
how was how was City of Scars for you? I mean, you're you're playing you're playing a character. You're you're in a film. You're working for a couple of people that are, YouTube was pretty brand new at the time as well. Yeah, it was it wasn't it wasn't as gigantic as it is today. So you're kind of taking mm-hmm. a chance, but you have confidence in the people that you're working with. How was how it like being well, on that set? And go ahead. Well, the difference is with this, when I wasn't shooting films with Aaron and Sean, I was up at their house hanging out, talking, just hanging out, talking music and football. We rarely talk superheroes or movies. All we, all we talk about is music and football. And so whether we're hanging out, talking music and football, eating fat burger, or making films, it's still just three best buds coming together, doing something that they're passionate about, doing something that they love. And so we're like, okay, great. Um, and they had this idea for this, for this project, um, uh, City of Scars, which it didn't have a name at the time. I'm like, sure, whatever, whatever they asked, I had at that point, they had earned my complete and utter trust. Absolutely, let's put the suit back on. Let's go. Let's go up there. Let's run around in the rain. Let's beat up Paul Molinar. Sounds great. And it started off with very humble beginnings. It really did. And then it grew and grew. And then it hit a tipping point to where Aaron said, Kevin, I think, I think, I think we're going to do a feature. I think this is going to be a feature. Right. And I'm like, let's do it. Let's make it a feature. And we shot enough. That's where, um, that's where I met Guy Grundy on that set because we've got a great nice. fight scene. Met so yeah. many. I met Damien. Met Damien on that on that set. Yeah. Um, and worked with Nicole Klepper and just so many incredible people. And right. it ended up being, you know, over thirty minutes, which is a very long fan film. And right. it being literally one of the things that I'm most proud of. And it's con- it was voted by Movies.com as greatest fan film ever made. And it's consistently hmm. within the within the top you know, top two or three um, of all the lists. If you ever see f- fan film lists, City Scars is always on it. City Scars yeah. and um, and Batman Vader. Right. Oh, Batman Vader is a, a, a let's let's talk about that a little later on because th- that's that was a huge huge hit. Uh, but yeah. you know, we 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 go on to exposure. Now, you did exposure. You did a couple episodes of that. How, how was, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, wow. oh, Tell me about God. that experience. I, um, exposure was a web series that I did in Jacksonville, Florida. And I did it basically as a favor um, to some local filmmakers because for a period back in 2006, I moved back to Florida to be with my family and I was plugged into the, um, the, the filmmaking community there, which is very, very small. And at this point I was, you know, I was uh, a bigger fish in a smaller pond and I agreed to be a part of that. And there were some great people, Sidney Hogan, uh, Sean Shea, Amari uh, Covington Jr., um, Dan, um, Dan Solomon, who's, who's mm-hmm. since moved on, God bless him. And yes. um, that was as a favor and, to tell you the truth, looking back at it, um, I, I was very happy that I did it. There were some sparks right. of things I was kind of proud of. I was really proud of. But it was it was so much fun being a part of that because it was a big deal, big deal. But to me, it was relatively small. But the excitement is what made me really, really happy that I was a part of it. Um, and that, that name, because you're like, 
you said exposure. I'm like, what was that? It was called, <laughs> it was called so many things. Yeah. It was called the big break. It was called, um, it, the names, names had changed. And I, and I think it ended up with exposure and, uh, we ended up having a big premiere and, uh, seeing it up on the big screen. And that was a lot of fun. I'd totally forgotten about that. And thanks for bringing that one up too. Absolutely. Exposure. Yeah. It, it is, it, it, you can still see them online somewhere. You can find them. Yeah, now you did you you did a lot of the superpower beatdowns, uh, which which are are really you know fan favorites. People people adore them. They love them. Uh, like you said before, there's there's the uh, Batman versus Vader, which is a, a gigantic episode. Um, did you did you enjoy your experience? Because you're still doing them now. Did you enjoy your experiences? Uh, in, in, in what was the experiences like? I will be honest. I wasn't a big fan of the superpower beatdowns initially. I, I um, because I'm a story guy. I'm a dialogue really? guy. I want story, and I, right, I'm not right. a stunt guy. I'm right. an actor who fights. I'm an actor who sings. I'm not a singer, but I right. can carry a tune. I'm not a stunt guy. So you're, you're more of a you're more of a Hugh Jackman, where you know you, you you're not a you're not you're not more of a stunt man as much as you are a performer. That's a huge compliment. I will I will accept that. Um, yeah, I'm not a stunt guy, but I can fight. Yeah. And so I right. just want story. I just want something to believe in. I want something to love. I want something to loathe. I, right. I want to be invested. And so watching Gandalf fight uh, fight uh, Darth Vader or watching um, Tomb Raider fight some other person, it didn't really interest me that much, to be honest. It really didn't. And right. um, I just want, like, City of Scars. That's what I wanted. Um, Dying is Easy, which we'll talk about later. That's what I right. wanted. Something psychological, something dialogue-driven, something that to, for me to invest in and care about, not show up and fight, 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 and then leave. Until Aaron approached me to do um, Punisher, Punisher versus Red Hood. And I'm like, oh, and it's tough to it's tough to say no to something you know that you could do very very well, and right. I knew that I would do Punisher very well. It was it's in my wheelhouse. I don't do everything. I don't I don't do many things great, but the two things that I can do great, I think I can I, I do the best at it. And it's a very small lane, super small lane. Yeah, right. And I knew I knew I knew that I would kill. And so it was. Uh, it, it was not a hard pitch at all. Right. Right. And uh, I, I, I did it. it. We shot it over the course of three three evenings, and then what they do is they'll shoot the bulk of three evenings, and then you'll just you'll have a bunch of trickle trickle shot shoots. Hey, Kev, um, what are you doing on Tuesday? Can you come over? We need to do an insert shot here. We need to do an insert shot there. I said absolutely no problem at all. Uh, but the experience was great. It was it was a blast. I worked with um, uh, Joey. Shot it. Uh, Rich Manley. Actually, Red Hood was played by three people. Alvin Singh, who did all the fighting uh, choreography, he did stunts as Red Hood. Uh, Brian Morton, the dear Brian Morton, um, and also uh, Rich right. Manley. Right. Um, and it was a blast. It was a blast. Right. And that's something I'm very proud of as well because I'm looking and there was some pretty good fighting in that. I'm, I'm impressed with Alvin's Alvin's choreography because he knows how to choreograph for me. Yeah. Well, it's e it's easy to tell when you watch those episodes that you are enjoying yourself, that you are definitely in the moment. 
So well, they're really wonderful. They're really robbers. wonderful episodes to watch. Go ahead. We've all played cops and robbers in our backyard. We've right. All put the uh, put put the the cape um, or towel on around our neck and ran around and said, you know, I'm Superman, I'm Batman. We've all done that as children. We've had our little army men. We've had our action figures. And now when we do these projects, we're grown up action figures. It's, right. It's the greatest thing in the world because you'll look over in the mirror and you'll go. Dang, I'm Punisher. Look at me. And you, you fanboy out. If you don't fanboy out a little bit when you're in the suit, then I, I, I don't think that you're invested 100% because the suits they put together are so optic, and they create this world and this context that is, that is so genuine. You truly feel as if you're immersed in that. Right. Beautiful. Right. Tell me a little bit about the, the, the short that you filmed called The N-Word. Oh, that's with my um, my dear friend Andre Gordon, and that was uh, it was his idea. And he's um, he's African American, and he wanted right. to he wanted to basically explore racism, but it's so so subtle that the, that the racist doesn't know he's a racist, and because it's <laughs> it's innate, it's ingrained in him. And he, he doesn't view himself as a bad person. It's just how it is. And um, it's a project that I'm very proud of. I, I grew a mustache for it, which was impressive. Because what I did is I grew the beard, but then it came time to shoot. I cut everything but the mustache because I played a cop. Nice. And we were partners in it. And uh, it was co-directed by Robin Roberts, Robert Robbins. And, it, it, yeah. Um, it's festival it didn't really go anywhere, but it was a great experience shooting and a great cast. Uh, Elizabeth Hansen was was in it as well. Did you uh, did you enjoy the process of directing? Did 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 it make you feel different than than acting or? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I love directing. I love it. Um, nice. I love it so much that I would only do that, or I would only act. I would. I never really truly wanted to do both. That right. just kind of drives me crazy. I don't right. think I'm, 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 not, I'm not good at either enough. I'm not good enough at either to do both. Right. So, but I do, I do, I'm an actor's director. And so I believe in composition and I believe in performance. And then I, I let the, uh, the DP um, have a lot of reign over, you know, I'll have my ideas with the lighting, but I'm a big fan of composition because I think that's very important in the storytelling, but right. I get I get all up in the performances. I get all up in the the actors' uh, motivations. Nice. Let's talk a little bit about Charlie Hustle. Okay. How's that going? Charlie Hustle. Oh, it's going great. Um, well, right now we're on hiatus because of our situation. Right. Charlie Hustle. Um, in my acting class what we do is we shoot scenes and um, we've got an amazing TP shoots on the red, beautiful footage. And so what we are doing is um, we are shooting three to four scenes each time that we would go out. And then the students would have these great scenes to put on their reel. And they're choosing, choosing non-obvious scenes from movies, rehearsing them in class, finding a location and then shooting them beautifully. And it was something that they're so proud of. And when you watch it, you're like, oh, my gosh, what is this from? 
and um, I the students trust me so much, and and I care so much about them that right. everything that we shoot is just is beautiful and it's studio right. quality. And after probably seven, eight, nine of these shoot dates, I'm thinking, you know what? We're shooting probably ten to twelve, ten to twelve pages a day, and the DP that we have is giving us a huge discount. And I had the idea of why don't we do our own project? Why don't we shoot our own feature film, and then it showcases all of us, and then we're all a part of this this feature. And that's how it started. And um, I uh, contracted Peter Marshalls to uh, to write the script, which is incredible. Nice. And it's um, it's it's a coming of age monster film based in Los Angeles, modern day Los Angeles. Um, and it's about this character, uh, you know, Charlie, who leaves the family business, goes out to San Francisco, gets into a lot of trouble, comes back down, and then and and then tries to basically integrate himself back into into the family. And the thing that I love most about anything that I watch or anything that I'm invested in, it's a small story. It's small. And if you hear me say something about a movie and if I say it's small, that's a right. compliment. Right. That means it's something that we live every single day, and it's about dynamics and something that I said earlier. I'm just all about dialogue, character development, and dynamics, and this is a very small story. And so we um, we basically got a group of uh, 10 little baby producers. Um, everyone pitched in X amount of money, and we said, you know, we're going to shoot this film. And we're That's, group, that's definitely a group a project right there. Yeah. It is. It is. And, and everyone is so wonderful. Everyone's beautiful. Um, and it's selfless, completely and right. utterly selfless. selfless. Now, we yeah. shot maybe four or five days. Uh, it's going to be maybe a 15-day search, so we have another 10 days. And we shoot whenever we can. And it all depends on when locations open up and the availability of the actors or whatever. But I have made, um, I made a... a a promise that I would like to shoot at least one or two days a month for the next year. Once, um, once everything opens back up again, right? It's a, it's a huge passion project with nothing but my people that I just care about so much. Right. Before we talk about do little heroes, you, before we talk about that, let tell me a little bit about dying is easy. Dying is Easy is, um, I would say, the culmination of everything that we've learned about Batman, Batman's son and I, over the last 16 years. And yeah. I, think we've, I, think we, I think we nailed it with, with uh, City Scars. I think we nailed it with um, sure. Batman Killmonger. We nailed it with Batman Vader. But here, we're showing Batman as, as a detective. We're showing right. Batman with, with his intensity and his passion. And it's going to, there's, there's a lot of dialogue between Batman and, uh, and the Joker, played by the great Aaron Shonky. Nice. And this is the project that we've always talked about since 2003. And right. it's always been there, always been there. And then over the last year and a half, we're like, maybe it, it's, it's time, to, time to do this. Now, there's going to be... This is more, this is more detective Batman, right? Absolutely. There's going to be action, but it's not a great deal. It's a little more like Patient J to where it's a, it takes place in Arkham Asylum and it's a conversation between Batman and the Joker and what leads up to it and what comes after it. 
So there wonderful. will be action. There will be um, just a lot of wonderful surprises throughout it. But primarily right. it's, it's Batman and Joker going at it and saying everything that, that needs to be said, leaving nothing on the table. Um, hey, you, guys are work, you guys are working on the shoot right now with Reeves, are you not? Yeah, absolutely, and it's incredible. It's, yeah. it's, I, I, I've never seen or worn anything like it. Um, wow. Everything about it is just, it's, it's, there's, not, there, there's no such thing as being too good. But it's going to right. get a lot of attention, as as everything that Batman, Batman or Batman Son does. It's just right. going to get a lot of attention, as, right. as it, it it will deserve. Right. I can't say enough amazing things about it. And again, of course, I have to pitch it. It's a great opportunity because we get hit hit up all the time by all of the wonderful people that love what we do, and they say, "I want to be a part of it. Can I come on set? Can I make sandwiches? Can I be Robin? Can I?" Can I carry the tape? <laughs> and, and because everyone, it was something that people are passionate about. They want to be a part of it. And I want everyone to be a part of This Dying is Easy is something that everyone can be a part of because of the Indiegogo. And I'm, just, right. and I'm not saying $100 or 50 or 20 I'm saying $1. Just pitch in $1 to say, yes, that's mine. That's mine. I have something to do with that. And it gives right. that pride. Even if you don't, the fans did have a great deal to do with this because we're doing it for them. But that's what I love most about the Indiegogo project is people can take onus of this greatness and say, yes, I had something to do with that. I'm a part of right. it. Anyone, right. anyone that watches anything that I've done and, and appreciates it, I love them and I hug them and, and I just want to sit down and, and share that moment. But this takes it to another level. That, can, you um, that the, 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 can you tell us a little bit about the story and where it's going to? Yes. Yeah, because it's just you and I. No one's listening. Right. <laughs> so don't tell, don't, don't tell anyone. I don't won't tell anybody. anybody. It'll be between you and me okay. right now. <laughs> um, from, what I, from what I understand, the last draft is uh, picture Batman sees the, um, the bat signal up in the sky. He goes to uh, Gotham City Police, uh, the roof of the Gotham City Police, right. and it's um, Harlequin. Harlequin's up there. She's commandeered the light and really? says that the Joker's dying, and his last wish is to see you. He's got he, – he has some – whatever it is he has. Right. And so um, Batman goes to Arkham Asylum. Joker's dying. His last wish is to have Batman kill him. And he has rigged – I think I'm talking more than I should, but he's rigged <laughs> um, Arkham or rigged something with explosives or whatever. Right. And if Batman doesn't kill him, he's going to kill X amount of people. Right. And – that that is the basis of it. That's but very it's interesting. About, yeah, it's super cool, and um, but it's truly about the relationship because it is a yin and a yang, right. and it was is basically touched on on in City of Scars. Why doesn't Batman do what needs to be done? And that's killing right. Joker. Why did he? Right. Why has that? That is a consistent question. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. A, that's a very very consistent question. Yeah. And so that's what that's what this um, this is is involved in, and that's what this is about, and the and the relationship and possibly answering that question. Right. I can't wait. I can't wait to say these words. That sounds wonderful. And, and with, oh yeah, and and Aaron is just it's the best Joker I've ever seen. He, it's scary. I saw it happen. The first time he played the Joker was for a Loot Crate commercial that we had done. 
And hmm. I saw him putting the makeup on, and I'm just sitting there and you know, hanging out, eating craft services. And then I look right. over, and the and I'm like, oh, <laughs> we, we we may have something really special here. Right. We have something really special. And yeah, he and he's just gotten better and better and better. Right. And I was blessed to do um, a Negan versus Joker. Right. I stare into his crazy eyes. And I'm like, dang, Aaron's in it. Aaron is in it. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing that story with us. Uh, you, let's, let's move on to uh, you playing in uh, Sunset Glory, Donald Duncan. Uh, now you play yeah. with a lot of you play with a lot of of big headers in that in that series right there, and you you worked with Sean Piccinino on that on that series as well. Uh, tell me about that experience. Gosh, um, I, uh, I I I went in and I auditioned for this one role that was smaller, and um, the producers. Uh, liked me, and I, and I had kind of a comedic spin to it, and so they ended up switching me out to Duncan, and it was it was just a great experience. I think I shot like five days on it, um, a couple of days in Camarillo, and a few days up in like above Pasadena uh, for the offices up there. But working with um, Jeff Fahey, of course, of course, Casper Van Dien, right? Um, so many, so many incredible people. Uh, Sam Mendel. And being immersed in this World War II world, because here I am, again, looking in the mirror going, I really look like I'm, I'm from the 40s. And you're right. around these, these airplanes, and you're in these offices. And there's one, there's one scene to where I'm in the war room, right. and they have the big map on the, on the table, and they've got these little baby airplanes and these little baby ships. And you've got the guy with a stick, and he's pushing them just like you would see in a movie. And I'm sitting here and Casper's right across from me, Jeff Fahey's to my left. And we're all talking about this big invasion. And you've got these little baby smoke machines that are supposed to be uh, emulate like we're smoking inside and it's top lit and it's dark. And it's truly as, as immersed as I've ever felt in anything that I've ever done. Right. Uh, it, it was a gift. It was such a gift. And those I sets saw, were those sets were really amazing. Oh, they're incredible! And I saw the trailer. Um, Casper gave me a sneak peek of the trailer, which I'm in speaking. Yep. And it just looks so incredible. I'm just humbled. I'm like, how did I get here? How am I a part of this? I'm just so blessed, and I, I just yes. live such a charmed charmed exist, existence to be even in this. Right. It was a great experience. Right. And of course, working with, as we have, the great Sean Piccinino, it's just, he was, he was a dream to work with. Great, 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 great experience. I'm looking forward to seeing that come out. I was able to see the trailer as well, and you did a great job. I, I can't wait to see the completed process of, of that film right there. Um, you know, we, I saw Bloodshot, or, or is, that, is that the name of the film? Bloodshot with uh, Vin Diesel? Yes. The Valiant movie. Now, I saw that yeah. in the theaters, and I'm telling you right now, because you were in the Ninjak versus Valiant uh, films with, with the Bed and Son, I, I would argue that more people saw Ninjak than they saw Bloodshot in the theaters. <laughs> so <laughs> I, would, I would argue that one right now. I would, yeah. Good. Yeah, I would agree. I, I so, have I have not seen the um, the Vin Diesel version because once once you've seen yeah uh, Jason at Bloodshot 
yeah. it's, it's just tough to see anyone else, especially. It's it's something you cannot unsee. Well. I'm telling you that much. So don't do not see that. But uh, you you worked on the, the Ninjak versus Valiant world, you know, and also you're on those comic books, where have you? I mean, what was was that? You know, I was looking forward to seeing you in that experience. What was that experience like? It was again. It was blessed. I. I as as we're going, I, it feels like this is your life. So thank you for bringing all of these up because then sure. everything I'm saying was great experience, great experience, great experience. Um, but this was the the best of all of them um, because I'm working with um, Aaron and Sean. I'm working with Jason, Sierra, right. Chantel, Derek, Michael, John Hennigan, Alex. These are the sweetest, most talented people that you'll ever meet. And we're a team. And also, whenever you do something, and it's laid down on film, so to speak, you're married to these people. You're connected to these people for life, for life. And right. that, to me, is such a gift and is such a blessing. And so we're on set, and we're shooting, and I'm looking at Derek going, dang, he's an exo man, or he's incredible. And, right. and, John, and John Hennigan plays my brother, the Eternal, Eternal, Warrior, Eternal Warrior. And so we're, we're just – looking at each other going, can you believe that we're here doing this? Right. And then they take us all to New York, two years straight to New York, New York Comic Con to do nothing but to promote the, uh, promote the show, uh, to meet the fans, to, um, to speak on the panels, to sign autographs, and it, it brings people together. I will, I will be right. forever bonded with these incredible people. Like uh, certain relationships, pre- I knew John Hennigan prior Hmm. Um, I knew um, Chantel. I've known Chantel right. for 15 years. Who played Roku? Um, there are a few that that predate this, but the the new relation. And I've known Jason prior to that. But right. uh, Derek, I met there. Uh, uh, Damien Portier, I met there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Rowe, I met there. It, it was just, it was great. And you knew again right. when you're working with Bat in the Sun, you knew that you know that you're doing something that will that will last. And that you're very proud of, right? I'm so proud of that. I'm even more proud of it now because it's had a big resurgence. Because Valiant now is is getting behind it, because before the Bloodshot movie, they were concerned that it would overshadow the movie, so they suppressed it. And then the movie right. came and went, and now they're they're promoting that again, and it's it's up on their YouTube page, the Valiant YouTube page, which is a big nice. Movie. And so now more people, and it's in its uh, feature film format. Really? Were you, um, did you, were you at the premiere? I was at the premiere. Yeah. Wasn't that amazing seeing it up on the That big was great. Screen? I saw it at the AMC theaters. Uh, yeah, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Uh, I got I, I got a poster signed. I got a bunch of comic books signed. Uh, what a great day. And some very good Mexican food. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> I, I, you know what I you know what I really loved? I really loved seeing Sierra enjoy herself. She she was really reveling in in, in the excitement of the time. She's she's the best. She's she and I have have been so close since day one of yeah. shooting and I have so much respect for her as a uh, as a talent. Yeah. Um because she's just you just can't stop staring at her because she has that charisma that yeah. it factor that you just have to watch. And then not just that, not just her beauty, it's her talent, it's her intensity, it's yes. just uh, everything. And then I was blessed to work with her on another project that I'm guessing we're going to talk about in the future. Yeah, right but now. aside yeah. from that, I'm, 
I'm blessed yeah. blessed to hang out with her and go to Denny's and eat two dollar pancakes. She spoke very. She was on the show just a couple of days ago. She speaks very highly of you. She's she's really We're a wonderful close. human being. Yeah. Yeah, she so, is without a doubt my sister. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, she's a wonderful person. So, uh, am I am I mistaken, or are you working with Jason on on a uh, a Power Rangers film? It is not. I'm. You're half right. It is not a Power okay. Rangers uh, film. It is in that same genre. Right. But it's uh, Legend a short of the film. White Dragon. Hmm. It is. It's. I, I would call it a, a pilot or a, a okay. concept because it's much larger in scope. I understand. And it's not just and. and and I can see how the, where the confusion comes because it's not just sure. Jason, but it's Jason Font. It's um, it's Ciara Hanna, um, the Yellow Power Ranger. It's got a lot of former Power Rangers in it, and it's produced by Batman Sign, of course. That's nice. Um, and that that was just released yesterday. That that I'm uh, going to be a part of that. Right. I just I caught the tail end of that conversation and uh, heard that about that. I'm like, really? That's incredible. Yeah, very excited. Any time that we have the ability to work and do something that we're so passionate about and something that we love, that's a gift. Right. Um, but doing something that you know is great, and a lot of times, no, no one, no one sets off to do the movie or crappy project. No one says, "Hey, right. let's do something mediocre." Everyone right. wants greatness, but if right. you stack the deck and you surround yourself with great people that only do great things, you know in the moment when you're sitting here and you're in this scene with Jason David Frank, you know that it's going to be great because it's captured you know, great, it's acted great. But respe- respectively, I, I, think, I think there's a little more to it because you, know, you as a personality, you bring something to the table, like ability, workability, the ability to, to be directable, the ability to be produced, the ability to be liked, on set. I mean, nobody wants to be on set for 16 hours with some, some, some knucklehead, you know? So there's something say, about the best. Good. Thank you. The best compliment you just gave me is directable. Yeah. Directable. That, yeah. that's the greatest compliment. Thank you. You're obviously directable. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be, you have to be in the, yeah. um, um, the great, the three greatest words are, or four greatest words are if a director gives you a note, you say, great note, thank you. You don't fight right. it. If you don't understand it, you ask a right. question, but you execute the note as given by the director, and that comes from complete and utter trust in who you're working with. Right, right. Well, let's go on to, uh, on to let me see, Salvage Marines. Let's go on, because yeah. we don't have a lot of time left, and, and uh, I, I've loved talking to you and catching up. And uh, talking about all these things, including your, your mom, and I really love talking about your mom. But I want to talk about Salvage Marines. You know, you, you worked with Sean Pacino, Sierra as well. Uh, you worked with, uh, you know, Casper uh, uh, Van Dien. What, what was that experience like? It was like a family reunion, Steve. I'm not hmm. going to lie. Um, prior, to, um, prior to Salvage Marines, it, it's, it was me. Aaron, Sean, Casper, Jenny, Ashley, mm-hmm. and um, and then occasionally we would have Sean Pacino, and we'd have game nights. And every Saturday night we'd be up there in Westlake Village, and we'd have game nights. And I'm not saying once a month; it would be literally four times a month for 
for years. And what that does is that builds so much trust. It builds so much camaraderie, family, kinship, the most beautiful things that you could ever, ever ask for. And right. those are some of, the, some of my most fond memories. When I look back at this era, I'll think about the game nights. And so when the opportunity came up for uh, Salvage Marines, and then um, Sean ended up uh, – in Casper's an executive producer. And, and of course, we knew – because we've got such a close group of very talented people, when you're on location, you need to stack the deck with people that you could rely on. Right. If if you're not used to working with someone or you've never worked with someone before, that's a variable. You don't mm-hmm. know how they're going to react. You don't know right. how they're going to be on set. You don't know how they're going to be offset. You don't know how their right. conduct's going to be. And so what you want to do is you want to keep everything relatively close, and that's what Sean did and Casper did. And right. so the character that I was originally cast for was um, – and hmm. then they, they upgraded me to Marsters, who arguably has the most amount of lines in, in the series. It's just, it's just a huge role. And um, uh, Oswin Masters. Yes, yes. Great – great character and I was so yeah. blessed to have had the the ability to create this character from scratch and then I'm like wait a second hold on I'm working with Casper I'm working with Ginny I'm working with Nashi I'm working with Aaron I'm working with George right. who I worked with on American Fighter and the amazing uh, Sierra Foster right and not only am I working and and L um, it's just but uh, Sierra and I are like partners. Yeah. She's like my fellow boss. And I saw a picture was, of you guys on, on Instagram. That was incredible. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was the, the entire, the entire experience was a dream and we we're in the backwoods of Mississippi for, for three months and just <laughs> shooting and shooting. And the days were long and the days were hot, Steve, and there were sacrifices <laughs> to be made and no one, no one complained. Because we're doing right. what we love. Be careful what you wish for because you may get it. Right. And here we are. And we're in our own sci-fi series. And it's time to put up or shut up. And that means come to set prepared. Get along. Right. Engage. And, the, and don't complain. Be happy. Right. And then also also don't get into trouble offset as well. Because right. I've been on, on location before, and you just have, have these people, and they go off to bars and whatever. They get all kinds of trouble. Right. Because we are, we are in a tiny, tiny, tiny town in Louisiana. Right. Well, I, greatest, I see you. Greatest, uh, go ahead. Continue. I was just going to say greatest experience. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I, be, I mean, you were with, with all your friends. You're, you're with, with a lot of people mm-hmm. you've played with before. Uh, it, it looks amazing. I can't wait to see that come out. You know, I've seen you several times at a lot of these cons, and you have a lot of fans that come up to you. I mean, a lot of fans. And you always, you always have a very positive, positive attitude uh, when, when confronted, when talked to, when discussed, when taking pictures. Does that translate back to what you were talking about, about with acting, which is be in the moment, be yourself, be there, like Meisner would say? Absolutely, a hundred percent. If you're so receptive to, to to if if you're loving and receptive to being loved, 
then when you have these moments, you just want to, again, you just want to hug the person and you just right. want to just live in that moment and give back to them all of the joy that they're giving back to you right then and there. It is so genuine and it is so sweet. And it's without a doubt my, uh, the thing that I, I love most is meeting hmm. the people that you have these shared passions with. And, um, and that's, that's what I, I, that's what I miss. And I can't wait until the conventions start firing up again. And also right. when people reach out, reach out on Instagram and direct messages and, and what have you. And they're so appreciative of the work. And I'm like, I, I'm appreciative of them. It's right. so, it's so genuine. It's so authentic. And it's such a gift to be able hmm. to experience that. And I wish that everyone that I've ever cared about could see those moments through my eyes. Right. What do you think it is about those people who who don't appreciate their fans? Do you think there's something about not loving themselves that kind of translate over to how they don't they don't love how people love them or they don't understand why people love them? Well, I think maybe they're doing it for different reasons and hmm. um and so maybe the work is the thing and I and I dig that. And I do like the play is the thing and I I, I get that. And they right. don't like, they don't like to interact as much. They right. give in the way that, they give in the way that they can, and that's right. being the best they can be. And it goes up on screen, and their work is done. But to me, life is personal. Everything is personal. And if you see me at Starbucks, that's personal. I'm thanking them so much for being here, for being alive, for being present, because we have, we have this innate need to be seen and to be heard and to be listened to and we don't realize it but it's there and so when when someone takes a moment to give me a, more attention than I'm used to I it, it gets my attention because they're invested and they're right. letting me know and when you talk about all the great leaders in the world there's one common thing and I know and once I start this you're going to go yeah you're right let's say they talk about the charisma and I'm not going to say he's a great leader or, or he wasn't a great leader, but he was right. president. The charisma of uh, Bill Clinton, okay? okay. They yep. will, everyone will say, whenever you talk to him, you feel as if you're the only one in the room. That's right. And they, and they, they always say that about the great leaders. Right. And, it's, and to me, that's a beautiful thing because it's not the only one in the room. You're the only one in the world to me. This is a hmm. shared moment, and right. I can, you and I can share in this energy and so if it's so much love and it's so much joy and so much passion, and it comes at you on these, in these conventions, it comes at you over and over and over again. And you can almost get drunk off kindness and the sweetness because it's here right. and it's there. Then I want to share it. And I'm the tallest, so everyone always recognizes me first. <laughs> and, then I'll, and then I'll go, well, and, and then they're like, oh, and they're, they're going on and on. I said, well, you know. You've got Aaron Shonky right here. And they're like, oh, my gosh, Aaron. And then suddenly right. we're all sharing this moment together. And that's what we do. When we were doing an autograph signing up at New York Comic Con, and there was a line. This was in 2016, and this is for right. Ben Jack versus the Valiant Universe. And uh, New York Comic Con said that was the longest line they've ever had. They had to shut Jeez. it down. And, and we're signing, and we're signing, and we're signing these big posters, and it's Mike, Derek, um, Chantel, Sierra, myself. Right. John wasn't there, but um, Aaron and Sean and Jason. And Aaron would look over at me, and I would see him watching me. 
in this moment. And I would look over and he would say, you having fun? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm having fun. Because I know what he's thinking. We're going back to 2003 when it's just me, him, and his dad chasing each other around, shooting, you know, shooting each other with a video camera, flapping our cape saying, I'm Batman. It's how far we've come from that moment to now. Right. And he's so proud, and Aaron is so gracious and so generous that he wants everyone to, to appreciate and enjoy these moments. And that's, that's – go ahead. No, we're, we're, we're just running out of time here, and, and I just love talking to you. But I, I want to put a hypothetical out there for you. There's a little, let's just say there's a little boy, a little girl in Louisiana right now that he, he or she wants to grow up and be just like you. Wants to come out to L.A., wants to be in film, wants to be in plays, wants to be an acting coach, wants to do all the things you want to do. Are there any suggestions you can give this person for, for how to begin their career in this field? Yeah, absolutely. I would say start locally. Find, uh, find your local community theater and, and start there. And, and see if you've got enough passion to get you to volunteer 30 hours a week for, for a play that doesn't pay anything and right. that may only run for, 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 for four performances and start locally, do local theater, get into local acting classes. And then at that point, what that's going to do is that's going to immediately get you around the collective, your, your circle of influence of people. You're going to be grouped together with other actors of your same age and of your same, you know, uh, passions. And then you start sharing, you start learning about other, um, about other contacts and other influences. And then once you have that, then you're going to find out who the best photographer is just from your other actors in your acting class or in your play. You're going to find right. out what agents they have. And then you start working off of a referral system. But the first thing that you do is you have to find an acting class and you have to um, find a local uh, community theater and audition and take whatever part they give you it could be ensemble. It could be, you know, third girl from the left. Doesn't matter. Do right. it, and that's right. that's how you get your um how you get your feet wet, and then and be directable. Grow, grow from there. Be directable. Great note. Thank you. Great note. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, t- so tell us how how can people get in touch with you? How can they reach out to you if they want to, you know, have a question or they just want to see your things? They just want to watch your stuff. Yeah. How, Absolutely. My, my phone number is 818 <laughs> oh, <I'm sorry. laughs> No, uh, to, um, <laughs> it, those are actually the first six, uh, six numbers. That I, uh, I was kind of hoping you just stop number. right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Instagram's the best way. Um, or okay. the, um, yeah, I'm, I'm on Facebook as well, but Instagram is what, what really I pay the most attention to. So, nice. um, yeah, send me a note on Instagram. It's, uh, the Kevin Porter. And I, uh, I answer everything. So I'd be happy to answer any questions or just say awesome or whatever, whatever. I just, because I'm here, people like one thing, like a few years ago, people, like I saw someone call me like the people's Batman. And I'm like, I like that. I I, I picture like I'm dressed as Batman carrying a lunch pail, you know, just going to, (laughs) just going to work. The People's Batman. I like that. Right. Do do a lot of people reach out to you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm so yeah. so blessed. So yeah. blessed. It's just and yeah. I love doing the live streams because it's just like talking to like three or four or five hundred of my closest friends. 
Sure. I, I just I I love interacting as much. And well, you've always you, been a very good. I I you and I have known each other for a long time, and you're yeah. always a joy. Your your attitude is always great, and you're always just so positive to be around. And I can't I can't thank you enough for being a part of of my journey. You know, you're you're a very kind human being. You know, you're very generous. You're very likable. You're you're very kind. You're very you know you're you're one of those people that I remember a long time ago. I, I was thinking about whether I wanted to just leave. I just wanted to go, and I saw you at a sushi restaurant. And I just saw that as a sign of no, I think I'm going to stay. And uh, I that's the, I that's the kind of person. That. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. That was on Victoria yeah. Boulevard. It was it was Dan's Rock and Sushi. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just yeah. I just saw that as a sign because you are one of those people that I've always kind of looked up to, and I've always kind of you know I've always respected on a high level, and and I loved seeing you, and it it gave me that sign that I should be here and I should be doing what I'm doing, and and I love what I do. So I've always been very grateful to have you in my life. So thank you so much for being on the show. We are, we are truly blessed to have you on today. Uh, you're so kind to take out your time and your life to be on the show for us. So thank you so much. I was looking forward to it. And uh, invite me back. I'll always come back. Thank you very much. That's Kevin Porter on Cinephiles Radio. Thank you so much, sir. All right, brother. You have a great day. You hey, too, my friend. See you soon. <laughs> Going out with the flaws, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Good night. See you, my friend. That's a great Kevin Porter on Cinephiles Radio. What a a great guy. You can see why everybody wants to work with him. You can see why people continually want to hire him, why people want to have him on a 16-hour set, why people want him to be in in a series of films. Directable, likable, kind, generous. What more do you want from an actor? You can see his experience going way back. From football, to plays, to General Hospital, and on and on and on. Meeting Aaron Shonky and Bat in the Sun. Meeting Sean Piccinino, being in several of his films. You can see that his mom is one of the people, is one of the greatest inspirations in his life that brought him up, gave him the positive cues, made him feel good about himself, built him up, made him feel right. Kevin, thank you so much for sharing that story with your mom. I love hearing those inspirational stories of people in your life. Hearing how Aaron Shonky gave him those chances and how they both admired each other from afar and how their relationship just was built up from that point on and and they were able to work together and, and have a wonderful relationship. And look at all the great things they created. Dying is Easy, which is coming out soon. City of Scars. Curse of the White Dragon. Superpower Beatdown. Working with Sean with Doolittle's Heroes. Salvage Marines. Truly has a blessed and expansive career. And nobody 
Nobody better. If anybody's earned that right, it's been him. Thank you, Kevin Porter, for joining us today. We're, we were blessed to have you on. It was very kind of you to take time out of your life to spend it with us. And thank you to all of you for listening in today. In this time in our life where we're hunkered down in our homes and we're hiding out from the regular life, it's, it's good to have each other. And like I told you before, we can only get through this period in our lives together as a family, as a group, as a society. Look deep within yourself and spend this time in reflection. Love yourself, love your neighbor, forgive yourself and forgive others. This is a time for us to move on and grow as people, grow as people. You have plenty of time to think, not about depression, but about the positive aspects of, of your life. You're alive, you're healthy, people around you are alive and healthy. Reach out to people. See how they're doing. Send your love. And while you're there, love yourself. Thank you, Kevin Porter. Go to YouTube and watch a lot of those films. They're on YouTube right now. And thank you to all of you. I love you all. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to you and have this show. As we start darting into our eighth season, I'm very blessed to have this show and to have you as an audience. Thank you very much. God bless. This is Cinema Files Radio, and I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Have yourself a wonderful day. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com. 
Realtor.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires goal for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.